Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Motivation Monday, also known as Movement Monday. What's going to get you motivated and moving? Today's topic is how to increase range of motion in your movement and in your life. Range of motion, you might have heard the, that terminology from physical therapists or other, other movement specialists, but what exactly does it mean? So when physical therapists talk about range of motion, um, we could be addressing several types of range of motion. That's the range that a joint, and a joint is where two bones come together and produce movement, the range that that joint has available to it. So it could be, you can have range of motion in a passive sense. Like if I took, if I was lying on the ground and I took my right thigh and I pulled it in toward me, I would be going into hip range of motion, hip flexion. Um, if I do that just purely with my hands, I'm going, I'm doing, that's called passive range of motion. So the passive range of motion is useful if for joints that have become inactive due to an injury injury or paralysis. Like if I was going to go and do that to somebody who is bedridden, I could, as a physical therapist, help them out and give them, uh, help them perform the movement, them, you know, with uh, using my hands, if I was a physical therapist. But like I was saying, I was just picking up my leg using my own hands. Uh, I can pre- I can perform passive range of motion on myself as well. So I'll get a little bit more into passive range of motion in a minute, but that's that's really when the range has been, the range of motion in the joint has been accessed through some kind of outside force as opposed to the muscles moving it. Then we have 
like in PT, we have an assisted range of motion, active assisted. And that means that there could be some assistance from me as a therapist and the patient is doing some of the movement as well. So it helps perhaps complete a range of motion if the person, like I, I do this a lot with people in their shoulders, when somebody's lifting the arm up overhead, the shoulder joint, the glenohumeral joint also is uh, affected by the scapula thoracic joint, which is the scapula on the thorax and back, and the clavicle. So I can I can help if somebody kind of gets an in range and by by moving the scapula for them. So that would be an active assistive range of motion. And then of course, there's just plain old active range of motion, which are, these are the exercises that uh, people do on their own volition. So they're going through a range of motion at a joint and they're not using their own hands to help out. And they're not using a physical therapist like me to help out with that movement. And you might be restricted in it. And that's something that we could, you would investigate like what is the, what is the restriction in somebody's range of motion. So first of all, um, what would be causing the lack of range of motion? So if somebody's limited in their range of motion, what would be some of the causes? Well, some of the causes are simple, like you've you've injured it, you've sprained your ankle, and it's gotten swollen, and you haven't used it in a while, and then you've really decrease the range of motion available at the ankle. And that could have been because of the swelling. It could have been because of the pain and then of the uh, not, mal, not using it. So if you haven't used the ankle in a while, even after the swelling goes away, you might still have some range of motion deficits. And so you would need to work on how to get those range of motion, range of motion back in the ankle so that you could perform a movement well, optimally, and, and it wouldn't be substituted somewhere else, which which can happen and often happens. There could be just like a pulled muscle too, you know, that just you lose range of motion because moving it, um, it's not like it's swollen necessarily, but it just might hurt. And so you don't move as much. So this can help happen uh, for people in the hip. I've talked about anterior hip pain and they get to a certain point in hip flexion and they start to feel that front of the hip uh, pain and they don't move as much. So you actually lose hip flexion range of motion actively because it just, it doesn't feel good. Something's getting compressed. You could also strain a muscle and just not be moving as much. Uh, You could, people hurt their shoulder and kind of injure soft tissue there and don't have full range of motion because of that. Um, Then of course there could be surgery, there could be just general lack of movement. So, I mean, I've seen people who have sat for so long. I mean, I was I was doing uh, some work with uh, a group of corporate people the other day, and none of them have had any serious injury. They're in pretty good shape. They have they're young-ish. You know what I mean? Like younger than me. Um, but their range of motion, their active range of motion, is was really astoundingly limited. And that's because they haven't moved in a variety of ways. They're sitting or standing for long periods of time in one position. And so the tissue, the tissues around the joint adapt to the position you're staying in the most. So if you're not moving a lot in, in a variety of ways, that will that can reduce the, the range of motion that's available. So range of motion is super, super important. So uh, without going into like 
all of the different joints. Let me give you a, uh, an idea of what would be considered more normal range of motion. And this is going to be individual. We are all individuals. We all have more, a capacity of an range of motion based on so many things. History, whether we've had an injury early on, there was scar tissue, there was uh, we weren't using it as much, we substituted somewhere else. There's all kinds of things just with history alone. But then the the bony formation, there's different ways that uh, parts of our the bones come together and form a joint that might already um, seriously decrease the range of motion. Or we might have a lot of laxity in the joint. We have incredible range, like somebody's very loose and has a lot of range of motion. So there's variability for sure. Um, these are general kind of acceptable values of, of range of motion when I'm looking at somebody as a physical therapist. And, you know, in physical therapy school, we learn how to measure it. So we have really quantitative ways of, of, of measuring improvement. So if somebody comes and they've had a knee injury, a knee replacement, a shoulder injury, something like that, I can do all kinds of measuring. And that's also usually necessary for insurance companies. If they, if you want to continue physical therapy, you have to show that the physical therapy is helping the person. And one of the things they'll look at is, are they improving their range of motion? So we can measure it, this thing called a goniometer. Um, and we measure uh, the two bones and how, you know, the, the range of motion within that, the, those two bones, right. Coming apart or coming together in different ways, flexion, extension, and then depending on the joint, like the ball and socket joint, there's other, there's external and internal rate, uh, rotation, abduction and adduction. So here's some ways of checking for yourself. If you were standing and you were standing on your feet and nobody's going to help you, stand on your left leg and pick up your right knee. So your knee will be bent and you're flexing at your right hip and you'll flex as high as you can. So it's like a big high march. So in general, the range of motion for your hip would be up until about 120, 125 degrees. So you can bring it to 90 and then see if you can bring in another, you know, 30 degrees, 35 degrees. Believe me when I tell you, people are limited in hip flexion a lot. If you find that you can't do that, note to self, work on your hip flexion range of motion. You need that that's a lot of that's a lot of degrees 125 degrees that's a lot you need to be able to maintain that and so there's different ways of maintaining it we do a lot of hip mobility stuff in my in my classes and the reason is because it is imperative to be able to flex at the hips well so hip extension so stand on two feet and you're going to take the right leg and as best as you can without pitching your ribs forward without changing the length of your spine bring your your hip back um, behind you. So the leg will extend behind you and you'll see like how much of that you have. Now hip extension is going to be not as much for sure because you're you're taking you're taking yourself back to from neutral and you can bring it to about 15 degrees behind to get that extension. So you go from neutral where your legs you're essentially in a neutral pelvis with the hip, not extending per se, but it's it, it's uh, coming down from that flex position at 125 degrees. So sometimes people will say, well, extension actually starts when you start lowering. So it goes from like 110 to zero. Everybody should have that. 
So if I'm measuring somebody, I'm sidelining or something, and their right leg is on top, and I can, it's can I bring their right hip right on top of their left? And that's what's a neutral pelvis, but at zero degrees of extension. Then going beyond that it, to 15 degrees, we want to be able to, to achieve that. This is another thing people don't tend to have is this extension that's going beyond that zero degrees of extension. So I hope that's clear. Like you want to have, you want to be able to lift your hip way up, uh, like you're marching high and then bring it down and kind of sweep it back behind you without pitching your pelvis. But the very least you need to be able to acquire zero degrees of hip extension. And if you're anterior tilted in your pelvis, you're not getting that. You you're you could be five, 10 degrees off from zero. Now there's uh, the other range is abduction, moving away from the midline. Well, lifting your leg, so taking that same right leg and lifting it from where it's in line with the left and straight out to the side, that again is going to is going to vary based on um, person to person. But you should be able to get anywhere from forty to forty five degrees out there. So think of like being able to do that without hiking your pelvis, and those that movement is being done a lot by the gluteus medius. We want to have that range of motion there. Now, external rotation, otherwise known as lateral rotation, is where the the, the hip rotates and the, the thigh would rotate away from midline. That's lateral or external rotation. That also is 45 degrees. So think if you're sitting at your desk and you take your right ankle and cross it over your left knee, that's external rotation. So that's like a, if we were putting on our shoes or something, we would do that. Well, if people lose that 45 degree ability, there's, you know, they're not going to move as well. So we want to increase range of motion to also move well, but to also to feel well and, and feel like that we're capable of doing stuff. I've seen people who are, again, in their 40s, 50s and saying, well, you know, I, I'm not able to really do that anymore, but I'm getting older. And it's like, what? You're not that old, <laughs> right? It, it becomes like a, so when I talk about increasing your range of motion, I'm also talking about in your brain, like what you think you're capable of. So if you go ahead and say that um, you're giving yourself an excuse of lacking range of motion because you're aging, that's not a good mentality. You've you've lost the range of motion in your brain and your perception. You You want to believe that you can still acquire this. So somewhere up to 45 degrees of external rotation. And then internal rotation is the opposite. You're going to have a little bit less of that, but you should still get a good amount, like 35, 40 degrees of internal rotation, rolling that thigh in. And again, if you don't have great hip flexion and extension, those are the two things to work on first because the rotation around this vertical axis really um, depends on the good flexion and extension, in my opinion, what I've seen over the years. So if you don't have a neutral pelvis and you're not getting that good flexion extension, your rotation is also going to be affected. All right, let's go down to the knee. The knee is if you were standing and you lifted your hip up into that flexion like you were doing your marching, you should also be able to pull the heel toward your butt, like so that that comes to be in flexion, the knee is known to have anywhere from 125 to about 130 degrees. And you certainly need 90 degrees of flexion at the knee to do a lot of functional stuff. So when I've worked with people with uh, total knee replacements, that 90 degrees is essential because think about it, you need 90 degrees to do a good squat, but if you're going to go lower and get something off the ground, you're going to need more range of motion in both your hip and knee. Uh, The other thing that's important to get is 
knee extension. Because if you are walking and your knee doesn't fully extend, it can make you limp a little bit. So zero degrees is considered extension. Most people will have that until something happens. Like they might have an injury at their knee and they get a lot of swelling. They might get some arthritis and some arthritic changes. So the joint is no longer in that extended position and that will change the way you walk. So when we work with people getting their range of motion back in their knee, the first thing we often get is the extension. Because if you don't have the extension, your gait will change because you'll be landing on it with a flexed knee and that will just kind of get you a limp. You'll just limp whether you want to or not. So you want to have that zero degrees of extension and then anywhere up to 125, 35 degrees of um, knee flexion. Ankle. I talk a lot about ankle dorsiflexion. So ankle dorsiflexion is important to have because that's what helps you get into a deep squat again. Like if I was getting something off the floor or looking under my bed, I want to I want to be able to have my hip flex really well, my knee flex really well. And then ankle dorsiflexion with the heel still down, go up to anywhere from like up, it, it could be 20 to 25 degrees. Plantar flexion is when you're pointing like a ballerina point and that's, you're going to have more range there for sure. You So you can see it when you just point your toes down and get that that curvature of, of the movement downward, you have more range of motion available there. You don't have bone hitting bone in the same way you do when the dorsiflexion occurs. Not hitting it, but uh, getting an end range from the bones. The plantar flexion is like 50 degrees. Now let's think about the shoulder and that's that's an area that uh, I spend a lot of time on with people. Shoulder, we are really born with the availability to go like a full 360 with our shoulder. And over time, based on injury, overuse, underuse, all kinds of things, people lose that range of motion. But flexion of the shoulder is like when you pick up that right arm and you reach it up, it should be in line with your ear. And that's 180 degrees. And you should be able to do that without using your rib cage to do it. So it's like purely just the the shoulder movement and the scapula along the ribs. Then when you're reaching the arm back behind you, like you were just lifting the arm back, that should be, that's called extension. And that's anywhere, that's about 45 to 50 degrees. So it's obviously smaller than the, the flexion range. And that makes sense. We don't typically reach for something low like that behind us. We reach a lot overhead or a little bit in front of us overhead. And then abduction, similar to shoulder, the hip, that's when you bring it out to the side. And so you should have a full range of motion would be 90 degrees for that. And then external rotation and internal rotation at the shoulder is a lot freer than at the hip. And you can get full 90 degrees. So if you had your palm facing forward, you should be able to flip it all the way so the palm is facing back and, and vice versa. And that's that um, lateral rotation and medial rotation or external and internal rotation. So those are ways of just checking out. And the elbow is similar to the knee. You want to have you want to have full extension flexion where you like make a bicep curl is about uh, fifty degrees. And it, so it's it really I'm sorry it, the flexion flexion of the elbow is one hundred and sixty degrees. It's big. Extension is to zero. So flexion is like I'm really picking up something and pulling it all the way, my my hand up to my shoulder, that's flexion at the elbow. So the point is, how do you increase these ranges of motion? Well, first of all, knowing about what the ranges are and aiming to get in the range is important. You can do it passively, but you want to also do it actively. 
actively is what um, we tend to be lacking the most. So how can I can I pick up my uh, ankle dorsiflexion to 20 degrees? So that would be like if I had my foot on the floor and I lifted the toes off the floor, can I do that to 20 degrees? Then I would do that with in weight bearing with the foot f- fully flat. Can I squat without lifting the heel? And does that end up being like an angle of about 20 degrees? So it's really more important to put the range of motion in function. So this is what I say. Can you lift your arm up in line with your ear? That's great shoulder range of motion. Can you bring your arms out to the side? Like you're doing a little, uh, like a jumping jack. Can you reach your arm, bend your elbow and bring your arm around your back? Like for women that are unfastening a bra and back or a man's trying to, you know, or both of you are trying to uh, reach for the opposite scapula. That's internal rotation of the shoulder. Can you do that? That's a pretty functional thing to be able to do. Scratch your own back or put something on or with your hip, can you lift it way up? Like you're doing a huge march and can you really pull that left knee way up and pull the hip in deflection? Can you squat? Can you both feet are on the ground and sit way back with a neutral spine and the hip goes into a lot of flexion and the knee goes into a good range of flexion as well without the ankle coming up. So that's triple flexion, hip, knee, and ankle. And then can you stand all the way up where you get a neutral pelvis, get that hip extension in place, knee extension in place, and um, and then rise up on your toes. So you're getting plantar flexion, which is ultimately an extension moment. So these are these are the things you can keep it simple and just think how do I take this range of motion into function? And then how do you increase range of motion in your life? Meaning the things you are think you're maybe not capable of, increase the range of motion and, and believe that you are capable of doing stuff. So say for instance you want to hike Mount Kilimanjaro. What's involved in that? What's the range of motion involved? What is the uh, commitment involved in your in your mind? It's not just for the joints there. It would be for the endurance. It would be for the uh, perception and the belief that you can do it, but you have to prepare. So it's like expanding your range of motion is important because it actually expands your perception of what range of motion you can apply in your life, what you can do with your movement. And you really have to believe that no matter how old you are, no matter what shape, no matter what's happened to the joints, that you have potential to improve that range of motion. For example, I have a very dear friend right now. She's gone through two shoulder placements. I used to dance with her. She was a she was a modern dancer. I was just a fun dancer. Like we'd go out to dance clubs. And um, you know, her, the modern dance just wrecked her body. It really did. So she's had two shoulder replacements. She has had two hernias, umbilical hernias. She's had she has no cartilage in her knee. And she was just feeling like dog crap. And, you know, little by little, she's getting her just fire back. And I said, start slowly. So I have a whole plan for her that we're going to record and and show because I think it really, and she's going through menopause and all these other things. There's a lot of, there's a lot of elements in there. Uh, It's just that you have to believe that you can expand your range of motion in every way. I hope this helps you check out your own range of motion and get it going. Believe that you can and then see how you can apply that into your daily life to uh, kind of blow out that ceiling above you that is telling you you can't do something. As always, I'm pulling for you.